You know, we've been talking about th- this series for quite a while, and so I'm really looking forward to it um, because if we're just honest, we're really not that good at having conversations. Can we, can we just be honest? If you really think about it, all conflict comes from words, comes from conversations. The Bible says there's, there's the power of life and death is in the tongue. And the words that we speak and the conversations that we have, come on, wars are started, wars are ended, or, or you know, diverted away from war by just by words. Uh, families are healed or progress or they're ruined by words and conversations. Uh, the words that we speak, there's such power in them. And you know, but we say so many words all the time that I think we forget that. We forget that the way that we say our words and the conversations that we have, it's literally producing things. It's producing health. It's you know, producing bitterness. It's producing animosities. It's, all of these things are coming by just what comes out of, out of our mouth. Have you ever been in a situation where you dreaded having a conversation though? You know what I'm talking about? Pretty much some of you are just like, yeah, yeah, every holiday season actually. That's <laughs> sort of, you know? You dread getting around the table and having the conversation. Why? Because you know that eventually it's going to get awkward. You know what I'm talking about? Everything's cool. Everybody's eating and drinking. It's, it's fine. And then all of a sudden, that uncle that nobody can stand, <laughs> he's like, you know what? The other day I was on Facebook and everybody's just, <sighs> you know, and then you're just looking at your clock. You're just ready to leave because you know what's about to happen, right? Because there's power in what we say, but, but we're really not that good at having conversations. And also, as, as we're in conversations, did you know that there's things that are happening inside of us, like chemical reactions that take place in the midst of conversation? Now, now I'm about to read an article or an excerpt from an article from the Harvard, Harvard Business Review uh, that's talking about the, what's going on behind the scenes as we have conversations. Because a lot of times we just say, oh, it was a bad conversation. Or, oh, it was a good conversation. But why? What was going on behind the scenes that made it a good or a bad conversation? And what we're going to learn today is actually going into those conversations sometimes uh, uh, tilts it from the get-go before we ever actually say anything. But this is what this, uh, this article says. It says this. When we face criticism, rejection, or fear, when we feel marginalized or minimized, our bodies produce higher levels of cortisol a hormone that shuts down the thinking center of our brains and activates conflict aversion and protection behaviors. Already, you're like, this is my life. (laughs) We become more reactive and sensitive. We often perceive even greater judgment and negativity than actually exists. We just perceive that it's happening. And check this out. These effects can last for 26 hours or more, imprinting the interaction on our memories and magnifying the impact it has on our future behavior. Cortisol functions like a sustained release tablet. The more we ruminate about our fear, the longer the impact. Talk about going into a conversation from a negative standpoint. There's actually a release of cortisol that takes place. Have you ever had one of those conversations, uh, the conversation before the conversation, while you're driving in your car and you're like, okay, well, if they say this, then I'm gonna say that. And, if I've, and then I'll come back with this. And, and guess what's happening? You're just drumming up all this cortisol. 
right? You're just getting ready, you know, arming up, right? If they say this, I'm going to let them have it. I know what I'm talking about. However, on the other end, positive comments and conversations produce a chemical reaction too. They spur the production of oxytocin, a feel-good hormone that elevates our ability to communicate straight from the get-go. It elevates your ability to even communicate with somebody. Elevates your, your ability to collaborate and trust others by activating networks in our prefrontal cortex. Some of y'all are getting bored, but I'm telling you, this is exactly where we're at. But oxytocin, this is very interesting. It metabolizes more quickly than cortisol. So its effects are less dramatic and long-lasting. You ever heard somebody say, it takes 20, negative, or 20 positive things to equal one negative thing, right? One no ruins 20 yeses. You could tell your kid, yeah, you could go there. Yeah, you could do this. We're going to go. We're going to go here. And we're going to do that all day today. It's just one giant party. And then at the end of the night, they're like, can I have a cookie? And you're like, no, you've had 17. They're like, oh, I never get to do anything. <laughs> Why? Because they want a cookie now. And guess what? The, oxy, the oxytocin, like all the feel good stuff's gone. And all of a sudden, it's just like, I want cookie. And you're like, you're not my child. Yes, they are. They're still your child. They're actually acting a lot like you do. Right? It's just not a cookie. Sometimes it's a conversation. But we have the same, we have this rhythm. We have this, it's really actually the way that God designed us. It's the way that God designed us. He designed us for good communication. He really did. He designed us to where whenever we interact properly with one another, we commune, communicate, okay, have conversations. We exchange ideas and exchange words that we would grow together in unity where we'd understand each other better and there would be unity. But, but because we, we really don't know how to have good conversations, unity breaks down. And it's because of sin. If you look at the Bible, whenever God and Adam and Eve, they would, they would talk. They had, I, I wish I could hear those conversations, but they would talk. From the beginning, right, whenever they sinned, what's the next thing that happened? Adam was hiding. They were hiding, and they were, they were no longer communicating with God. From the get-go, that proximity, that closeness was deteriorating, and it came because face-to-face -face communication was breaking down. And so because of this sin, a lot of the times our, our conversations are negative. If we could put it on a scale right now of negative or positive conversations, I'm not talking about the topic, by the way. The topic is neutral. Most topics are neutral. It's the way that we engage with them that makes it negative or positive. It's two totally different things. And so because of sin, we tend not to have this positive outlook or this hope-filled outlook. And it starts off with negativity and it just creates more negativity, more disunity, and then more sin, ultimately. Social media, I believe, is like a, just a magnifying glass on this. It really is. And if I could just throw this out there, I believe that social media, as in regards to reviewing and, 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 and arguing, I believe that it's, it's peaking. Because I believe, honestly, that the next generation is gonna be like, you know what, I don't need any of that. So I don't know. I don't know if social media and arguing like we see it now, I don't know if we'll be talking about it in the same way in 15 years. But right now, it's ridiculous, y'all. It's absolutely insane. And there's a couple of reasons, I think, because there's such an anonymity to social media. I can sit down and I can type things and, and like, you know, shoot arrows at people that I'll never have to see. 
I'll never have to actually uh, uh, own my statement to them. We see it in reviews on businesses, right? Where people walk into a business and, and, and they have like one bad experience and they walk out, what do they do? Well, I'm gonna go and review you and there's nothing that the owner can do about it. One star. The AC was a little bit hot. I'm never going back. Right? What, what, is, what is that, right? But there's this anonymity to it and it, it really exposes the, what's really deep down inside of someone Okay, but social media, it's just it, these conversations that take place, they're so negative. And uh, I believe it, it, there's just a lack of closeness between people. And so their conversations are very distant. And, and we're gonna talk about some reasons why here in a, in a second. But this month is really dedicated to talking about conversations. It could be conversations in your family, conversations uh, on your job, in the church, in politics, we're going we're gonna to delve into a few different topics. Next week, we're going to have uh, Pastor Ken Claytor from Gainesville, Florida here. And he's going to speak about the importance of diversity in the church. Okay? Diversity is so important. He's going to talk about that. On Father's Day, uh, uh, my dad, uh, Pastor Van, is going to talk about fathering and the importance of Fathers in our nation, I believe we are sort of in a fatherless generation right now with a lot of people that don't have good daddies. And then the last week, we're going to wrap up again with uh, uh, Dr. Andy Yarborough. He's going to be here at the Emotional Health Seminar from 9 to 12, but then he's going to be here the next Sunday morning also to, to teach as well about emotional health, which is, can I just be honest with you, uh, mental and emotional health in regards to the church has almost been taboo for a lot of people. And really in our culture, it's like, oh, you have a mental illness. People say it in this way. And then guess what? Those who are dealing with those types of struggles, they get isolated. Why? Because they feel like they're going to get judged or ostracized or, or looked at differently. If I have a dislocated knee, there's no problem with me saying, I have, a, I have a sick knee. I need to go to the doctor. But whenever somebody says, I don't know, man, I just can't get out of this thinking. I just, I'm depressed. I'm, it's like, don't talk about it. It's wrong. It's wrong. And so we're really going to just talk about it, have a conversation about it. And uh, so I'm excited about this month to really open up these, some of these things that tend to be taboo at times. But today we're going to talk about literally how to enter into those conversations. Uh, James 3 has some thoughts to, uh, to share with us. It says this in verse 2, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. Here's the honest truth. If you can't control the things you say, there's many other things in your life that you also can't control. It's the bottom line. Because if I can control what comes out of my mouth, I can pretty much contain everything else. That's what he says here. Verse five, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a, a great forest on fire. Goes on and says, no one can tame the tongue. Thanks. <laughs> if you can control your tongue, everything else will be good. But no one can control their tongue. <laughs> ah. it, is, it is restless and evil. Man, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. The next time that you start ripping somebody, the next time that you start posting about somebody, just let this, these words ring out in your, in your ear. That, that person who is made in the image of God. All of a sudden, your words begin to become less and less and less, and that attitude begins to change. 
So today I want to cover a couple of things that uh, we must understand whenever we have conversations. And the first is that we need to understand our role in conversations. I want to read a little story to you. It's, uh, this is the transcript of an actual radio conversation of a U.S. naval ship with Canadian authorities off the coast of Newfoundland in October of 95. And uh, it was released by the chief of naval operations. And um, it says this. It says, uh, this is the American speaking. Please divert your course 15 degrees to the north to avoid a collision. All right, you got these, these boats that are headed towards one another. Canadians respond, recommend that you divert your course 15 degrees to the south to avoid a collision. The Americans, this is the captain of a U.S. Navy ship. I say again, divert your course. Canadians, no. I say again, you divert your course. <laughs> Americans, this is in caps, by the way. This is the aircraft carrier USS Lincoln, the second largest ship in the United States Atlantic Fleet. We are accompanied by three destroyers, three cruisers, and numerous support vessels. I demand that you change your course 15 degrees north. That's one five degree, <laughs> that's one five degrees north, just in case you don't know what 15 is. Or, <laughs> or countermeasures will be undertaken to ensure the safety of the ship. Now we're, <laughs> right? Canadians respond with this. This is a lighthouse. Your call. <laughs> right? Just, uh, sounds good, man. Just, never mind. I'll divert, <laughs> you know? The other cool thing about this is this story was probably not even true, but, um, but you get the point, right? It's, I mean, we're Americans too, so we're like, you better divert. Like, you know, we got missiles and stuff. Like Americans, we're like, yeah, we got, we got a lot of missiles that we'll, uh, we don't even know what we have, guys. You know what I mean? They're all expired. Check the expiration date. I don't know. But we have, we have different roles in conversations, and it's so important that you know your role because, because if not, you could be engaging in a conversation, and you're not even speaking from the proper position, man. There's three roles that we have, to, we have to realize that we have. Number one is we might be speaking from a place of authority or the mentor in a conversation. We may be sort of the, the top rung of the ladder, right? We have the authority or we may be on a peer level, like friend to friend, a peer level, or we may be in the, the mentee level or the, 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 the one that's in the subordinate role where we are actually speaking to one that's above us, Okay. And you could take this and apply this to your family, all right, to, to politics. You could take it and apply it to, in a lot of different areas. But, but we're always in one of these three categories when we're speaking to somebody. And that's it's why it's so important that we have humility in where we're at, that, that you don't assume that you've got the upper hand in the conversation. This person might be speaking to you, and they assume that you're just talking buddy to buddy, but you're, you're thinking that you're the, the authority, Right? So you're speaking down to them and condescending them, which creates animosity and its own negativity. But also this, sometimes you are speaking in a place of authority and you don't realize the impact of your words. You might be talking to somebody that they really are looking up to you and you think that you're just shooting the breeze, but everything that you say, they're taking it to heart in a deep way because you didn't realize that you're in a mentor's position at that moment. Our role is so important, y'all. 
And we must have humility. We must have a proper understanding of, of where we're standing at, which seat of the table that we have. Humility. Recently, uh, I heard a story about a, a pastor friend of mine who, um, he was at a, a conference and uh, this, 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 anyway, he was at this conference and um, he's hanging out with all these big wigs, all right, these celebrity type people and he's not a celebrity himself at all. Like he's just regular guy. He just happens to find himself all of a sudden, he's surrounded by all these people. And uh, you know, in that moment, he's having these conversations and he's feeling like, well, all right. <laughs> like I'm one of these guys, you know? And, so in the mix, Justin Bieber walks up and he's like, oh my gosh, it's Justin Bieber. Like, all right, you know? And uh, so he walks up and he's like, hey man, what's going on? And so they start talking and, and so he's like, you know, I gotta, I gotta show everybody else that I'm hanging out. So he's like, he takes out his phone. He's like, hey Justin, you mind, uh, mind taking a selfie with me, man? And Justin looked at him and went, nope, and rolled out. <laughs> That's funny, y'all. Like nobody laughed. <laughs> You're like, I would have done the same thing, you know? <laughs> he, why? He thought that in that time period, like, he was actually one of them. And quickly, he found out that he was not. Whenever old Beebs is like, nah, man, I'm out. <laughs> You're not that important. He didn't understand his role. He felt like he was in this peer level and he was definitely in the subordinate role, <laughs> all right? But what happens is, is we, we do that sometimes. We assume that because we're in a certain circle or because we're in a, or a certain age that we just have this inherent influence. It's not the case. We must understand our role whenever we enter into a conversation. The next thing is that we need to understand our motivation in conversations. Did you know that all of us are being motivated by something? Every time that you engage in a conversation with somebody, you're motivated by something. The first question that you must answer about your motivation is, am I motivated by fear or love? Am I motivated by fear or love? These two things, they, they, they create very different results. Very different results. Whenever you enter into a conversation, leading up to it. We spoke about it in regards to, you know, the, the chemicals that are, that are happening, but it's the way that we're thinking it is producing an angle. And if I'm approaching it motivated by fear or love, fear is going to produce some things. It's going to create defensiveness. It's going to create sensitivity. It's going to create offense, bitterness, and it also closes doors. Why? Because you go into it in self-preservation mode right? Selfishness pretty much, but it's motivated from a self-preservation mode, which is, again, if they say this, then I'm going to say that. Why? You're talking about protecting yourself from the get-go. And it produces these things. Whereas if you approach it from love, which by the way, can I just be honest with you? I really believe that the word love has been just overplayed lately. And it's cheapened it to such a place that whenever I say you got to love people, you don't even know what that means. Let's just be honest. You got to love people. What does it mean? Most people take it as just don't stand up against anybody. Like, they, like don't disagree. Like don't, and that's not really what it means at all. It's two separate things. We'll get into that in a second. Love is, again, love is patient. Love is kind. doesn't envy. One of my favorite things is it hopes for the best. Love hopes for the best. Did you enter into that conversation hoping for the best? 
being able to, to set aside your personal preference in order for the conversation maybe to go better, right? Love or fear, love creates trust, transparency, understanding, forgiveness, and, and at the end of the day, it opens more doors. Love most of the time doesn't burn a bridge, but fear definitely does. It does, it ruins relationships. One of my goals in, in conversations is this, is that when I walk away from the conversation, even if, it's, even if it kind of gets negative, that, that both sides, me and the other person, would, would know that we can still text each other, would know that we can still hang out from time to time, that, that even if there maybe needs to be a time where there's separation, right, to heal, whatever the case is, that the bridge is still intact. There's not a burnt bridge. There's not the I'm never going to speak to you again moment because that's just not loving. It's not loving. 1 John 4.18 says this. It says, such love, it's talking about God's love, such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we're afraid, it is for fear of punishment and this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. And it's talking about punishment and fearing God in a, uh, you know, maybe an unhealthy way. And it's showing that you didn't really experience his love. But I think in the same way it happens with us. It might not be a, a fear of punishment, but maybe a fear of being wrong or a, a fear of judging. Or a, There's just this, this element of fear. And, and whenever fear is involved, love is not. See, see, love and fear almost displace each other. And when you're in a conversation, if you're being led by fear, it's very difficult to, to be led by love at the same time. It's, it's almost impossible. It's very hard. And I know it is because I'm a human. <laughs> and everything that I'm saying, I've experienced thousands of times. So we can know the right answer, but actually getting to a place where we actually do the right thing is another situation. But am I motivated by fear or love? The next thing is, is my motivation, this is big, is my motivation to understand or prove my point? This is a big one, y'all. And at any point, whenever I, like, you know, you throw a rock at a crowd, if it hits you, like, it's okay to be like, mm, it's okay to say something. Because this right here is my motivation to understand or prove my point. Proverbs 18, 13 says, if one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. We're supposed to listen first and talk second. We have some staff values in the offices and that's one of them. Listen first, talk second. Like if, if you don't actually listen to understand what you say has less value. It's like this, everybody thinks their opinion matters, right? Come on y'all, your opinion is paramount because it's your opinion. I love, it says um, every, uh, what is it? Uh, wait, I'm not gonna say it right. Opinions are like armpits, everybody's got them and most of them stink, something like that, you know? Man, I, I tell you, I'm throwing some good jokes out there. And like, that's a, that's a zinger. And some of you are just staring me down. I don't understand. I feel like we're having a conversation and you're just like, nah, give me something else. <laughs> you know, like, that one, that's, that's pretty good. All right, I'll give you that one. Our opinions, we think they all matter. But the, here's the deal. If you, don't, if you don't understand a person's perspective, your opinion it doesn't matter. Because let me tell you something, if we're having a conversation and I know that you don't get me, you don't understand where I'm coming from, everything that comes out of your mouth is judgmental sounding, it's harsh, 
Why? Because you don't, you don't even know what I'm, you don't know what perspective I have. And you don't even care to understand. So therefore, we're not having a conversation. This is straight up an argument. And let me tell you something. Nowadays, I don't know that anybody ever wins an argument. I don't think anybody wins anymore. I think it's just two people that have a lot of information. Their guns are, are, are drawn fully loaded because they've done their research, blah, 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 blah. And they end up just clashing until like whatever, somebody gets tired and wants to leave. But there's no winning of an argument anymore. But maybe that was never even the point to win an argument. Maybe it was to understand, right? Many times we're, we're, we're not trying to understand. We're just trying to, to see where there's gaps in their thing to where we can prove our point. The motivation is all wrong. You listen to understand. Now, here's the deal. I want to say this. Understanding doesn't mean agreeing. Okay? Look, guys, if, if, I, if I go the biblical route right now and talk about biblical principles, there are many, many biblical principles that we will never, ever uh, uh, compromise on. However, I can definitely understand where somebody's coming from and their perspective of of their experience, okay? But if I don't even put myself in their shoes to even understand that experience and like, but I just say, well, the word of God says this. If I just do that, there's not love in that. There is a balance with grace and truth. Jesus did a great job of, of showing us how to do that, okay? But there's, there's a balance. We can love people properly and understand where they're coming from and not agree, absolutely. And that's okay. It doesn't mean you have to punch somebody in the face. It's all right. Understanding doesn't mean agreeing. The third thing is this, speaking of motivation, is my motivation to represent Christ. If, if all, everything else that we said today doesn't matter to you as a believer, this one has to. Is your motivation whenever you're engaging with people your kids, your parents, your coworkers, all of, every single person that you come in contact, the guy that pulled out in front of you in traffic, right? Like that person especially, because you can't see him, but it's just this car and you just really want to run him off the road. <laughs> How many times have you done this? Somebody pulls out in front of you, you're like, and you come around and you look over, <laughs> right? You know what I'm talking about? peer down, and then you see this little nice old lady. <laughs> and what do you do? Oh. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, oh man, sorry. Go right ahead, right? That's what we do, <laughs> right? Which is good. At least we have an ounce of honor in our society at some point, because other than that, it's ridiculous, <laughs> all right? Our perspective gets changed, but but in those moments, a big question to ask is, am I representing Christ? Yeah, it's okay to still ask the question, what would Jesus do? <laughs> right? Like, you got overplayed, but it's coming back. What would Jesus do? Because it challenges you. It, it, it's, it, it comes against your own natural responses. And it says, you know what? I want to be an imitator of Christ. That's what it says in Ephesians 5. It says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Imitate God. Emulate who he is. And walk in love as Christ loved us. 
We talked about this a few weeks ago when we talked about forgiveness, about the fact that we forgive because Christ forgave us. We love people because God loved us. Like it's this, you can't break that, that circle. We walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. In the context of, of, of conversations, many times we enter into this, this conversation from a, a, an angle of, again, like that self-preservation of I wanna win. And, and sometimes we think that a conversation is only positive or was a good result if our point got across and they said, I agree with you, right? But whenever we talk about imitating Christ and, and looking like God, Jesus came on the scene and did everything right, y'all. He said, he said things the exact way they needed to be said. Whenever a Pharisee would come and they would bring up all these, these points of doctrine and try to catch him in an angle, so many times he would calmly sit there and <laughs> I love it, they would ask a question and he would ask a question back. Right? I think we need to ask more questions at times. But, but he would ask a question back or he would make a statement that many times left them confounded and they would walk away. Just like, right? right? I mean, many of us would be like, oh, I won, right? Did it. But at the end of the day, the people that he won the argument with, okay, even those that he won over through his great love, they crucified him. They killed him. I think sometimes we need, to, we need to realize that in this world, as believers, the world is going to hate us, y'all. The world is, is, at the end of the day, how we live our life, our beliefs, our principles are contrary to the world's. And so even if we enter into conversations and we do it right, at the end of the day, yeah, you, you still might receive negativity. You still, might, you still might get persecuted, okay? You still might get posted about on Facebook. You, all of those things may still happen. And it doesn't mean that you necessarily did it wrong if you know that you did it right. Sometimes it's just straight up loving like, like Jesus loved and the outcome just isn't always what we want it to be. You, you know what I'm saying? I think some people go the opposite route. They actually just say a lot of things that are really dumb and, and hurt people's feelings and they say it all wrong and then they get flack for it and then they're like, oh, it's persecution. Like, no, I just think that was not really smart. I <laughs> think you could have done it a lot better and said it a lot differently and, and got the same point across but with some understanding involved. So, so those that just <laughs> haul off and say a bunch of stuff and get a lot of people, I'm not really speaking about that. I'm talking about whenever you walk away and you pray and you're like, man, I did it right. I have a clear conscience. There was no anger involved. It was motivated by, motivated by love. It's just, a, it's just not gonna work out. We have to be okay with that. We're not always gonna see eye to eye with the world's philosophies. We're not always gonna be able to make this thing work together. Actually, most of the time, it's gonna end up very different. But Jesus was the, he was the example of how to to be in conversations with his family, with his disciples, with, with, with people who didn't believe in him at all, with people that were, were again, he was more of the subordinate, okay, in, in that time with the Pharisees and whatnot. And he engaged with all of them properly. And I'm telling you, we need to, we need to imitate that. We need to approach every conversation from a, these questions. Am I motivated right now by fear or love? What's going on inside of me? 
Do I really truly want to understand where this person's coming from? Or do I just want to get my point across? And am, am I sounding and looking like Jesus? And if I can't answer the proper way in any of those, I probably need to wait a little while before I have that conversation. Probably need to wait. So I hope that today helps you take some things away to implement literally at lunchtime, okay? How to engage in conversations properly. But one of the core shifts I believe that needs to take place is that you accept who God is in your own personal life. Because some of the things I said today, you could apply to someone who does not believe in Jesus. And you know what? I believe that you will have better conversations. I really do. Because God created this thing. But without transformation, without, without the, 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 the surrender of your heart to Jesus, the Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that, that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Without that revelation, you can live a, a really good life, but it's temporary. And today, everything that we do is built around the, the, the heart that you would come into contact with the real Jesus. He's alive, he's changing lives, and he can change yours. So right now, I wanna pray with you. If, you. if you wouldn't mind bowing your heads, closing your eyes, just getting along with, along with Jesus right now. Some of you, from the get-go of this service, you felt something different. You've, you've felt conviction, which really it just feels like a tension inside of you that says, it's almost like drawing you and saying, man, this is right, this is truth. But there's a tension between what you're feeling and then what maybe your mind is saying or maybe your experience is saying is, oh man, this is just another, you know, self-help thing. I just wanna encourage you right now in this moment, just say this, Jesus, would you reveal yourself to me right now? Would you show yourself to me? Would you reveal truth in my heart? God, I wanna understand who you are. Just let all that chaos and that confusion just subside. Let God reveal himself to you. The gospel is this, the good news is that Jesus came to this earth sent by God and he lived a perfect life and he died a painful death in order to shed perfect blood, sinless blood to cover your sin. Something that you're born into, you're born into sin. You, there's nothing you could do to attain some sort of righteousness on your own. It's only with the blood of Jesus. It covers a multitude of sin and his grace is persistent and his grace is unconditional and it's here right now. So if you're in this, you're in this place and, and right now you say, it's me, I wanna, I wanna put my faith, put my trust, put my life into Jesus's hands. I need to be saved. If that's you in this place, would you just go ahead and raise your hand? I'm not gonna do anything strange. Right here on the front, all over this. Yeah, I see you. Come on, hands all over. Yes, yes, I need Jesus. I'm just gonna pray with you. But it's so important that there's this moment of recognition. It says, Jesus, I need you. Anybody else in here, I just wanna pray with you. Come on, the enemy lies. The enemy says that you've gone too far, that you're unworthy. That, that's for other people who are doing a lot better than you. That the thing that Jesus said was come, as, come to me as you are. 
with all your, your, your baggage and all the sin and all that, like you, you don't get cleaned up before you come to Jesus. You come to Jesus and then he works with you and he, he sanctifies you. He cleans, cleanses you from all unrighteousness. Anybody else just want to pray with you? Just lift your hand. I see you. Yes. Come on right now. I'm going to pray with you. And as I say this prayer, I want you in your own heart, in your own words to pray to your God and your King and just allow him, give him access to who you are. Say, God, I come before you humbly and, and God, I'm asking that you would take my life, Father, that you would change me from the inside out. God, that you would forgive me of my sin, the thing that has separated me from you. I repent right now, I turn from all unrighteousness. God, would you take my life and use it for your glory? I lay everything before you, my successes, my failures, all of it, God. Take it, change me into something that's, that's, that's worthy of your kingdom, God. Something that can accomplish what it is that you have for me to accomplish, your purpose in my life. I give you everything right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, can we give it up for all those who gave their hearts to God today? If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God, and we'd love to help you with your next few steps. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Mississippi. If you're in one of those areas, we'd love to see you at one of our live services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv, for service times and directions. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv slash give, or you can text the amount you'd like to give to 228-215-3421. Again, that's 228-215-3421. Standard data rates and text charges may apply. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time.